0: Hello.
1: Oh hey Silvio, it's Andy. I got your email that you wanted to talk about something. What's up?
0: I been listening to your podcast. Yeah. They're great. Oh, right? thanks, man. And I love your mom. I mean she's, she's amazing, right? She's, uh, however, uh-huh. hmm, I think it's time for the next level. What do
1: you mean by the next level?
0: You know I'm a tarot reader.
1: What are you saying? Like you do a tarot reading about my guest or course. something? Sure. Yeah. Okay, well, my yeah. guest this week, is his name is Zach Rosen. He's the CEO of Pantheon. Okay. Okay. It's a B2B tech company. A what? B2B tech company.
0: Uh, is that like a bed breakfast? <laughs> Let's just say he's a CEO. Okay. Okay. Let me pull a card, okay? Okay, wow. Wow. What Andy. did you pull? The King of Cups.
1: What does the King of Cups mean?
0: The King of Cups is a leader that leads with the heart, okay. with soul a leader that it's completely empathic, that he listens to the other people. He's really feeling his mission,
1: well, that kind of does describe Zach. I'd say it's pretty right on. I just
0: I think I can bring a little bit of this, a little bit of the magic and mystery of storytelling,
1: okay. that's, that that's almost exactly what I don't want on this podcast.
0: <laughs> Do you want more flat? I can be the magic of storytelling.
1: I'm Andy Raskin, and this is The Bigger Narrative. In each episode, I talk with leaders about their strategic story, a story that's larger than their companies and their products, a story about change in their customers' world, a story that's powering success not only in sales, marketing, and fundraising, but also product development, recruiting, everything. And my guest for this episode is Zach Rosen, CEO of Pantheon. Marketers today are super agile when it comes to their social platforms and digital ads. They can try out like a million variations and change them on the fly, but when it comes to their websites, not so much. So Zach and his team have raised $100 million from VCs like Scale Venture Partners and Foundry Group to address that. Zach shared his narrative as well as his take on why and when having one matters with me at Pantheon's San Francisco headquarters. Agility with the website, it turns out, starts with marketers taking control.
2: Historically, marketers have not been able to own the website, and it's it's a historical quirk. Um, it's traditionally owned by IT, and the web teams around it are you know disconnected from growth. It's still the same in, in many companies, and so you know we're part of this movement to reimagine what the role of a website team is. It's called WebOps. And WebOps is crucially important for marketing teams that want to be just as iterative and agile with their website as they are with all their other digital marketing programs. And then every day be changing and iterating and driving towards an outcome. What I love about
1: it is you've kind of named what, I, what I've come to call the new game, mm-hmm. uh, and you've given it a label, yeah. WebOps, mm-hmm. right? And it sounds like that is a name for kind of the shift that that you've been talking about for a while yeah. now, which is this shift to kind of agile operations mm-hmm. on the marketing and website.
2: WebOps is it's a term for the enabling technology, right? Not the whole thing, but the tool that you need to unlock that benefit, that agility. Yeah.
1: You also think about it as the, the discipline yes. that you are exactly. evangelizing. Yes.
2: Absolutely, and I think part of the power of a story, it, when it connects in the right way with your customers, is it helps frame their job and frame their world and frame what matters to them. And it gives it new meaning. When it When it really works, it gives what they do a lot more relevance and importance, and frankly, like better pay and more of a seat at the table at the organization and more tied to value and strategic outcomes when, when this stuff, you know, when stories really start to resonate. Um, and that's really important because if you wanna create a movement in your industry, you need a bunch of people out there who take this really personally. And if you can connect the dots between the story and the, the, the why, and the, and then the how and the tools, and then to them personally, Uh, and give them kind of a sense of purpose and mission in this, then that's, I think, when the magic happens.
1: I I love how you put that, that it's about reframing how they see their world and their job. I've been thinking a lot about the difference between sort of traditional positioning, which is, I would call descriptive positioning, Mm -hmm. which is let's describe the product versus a kind of narrative position. Let's put out a story that helps people make sense of their world and of course, how we're going to help them. People said, like, the story, like, mm. uh, what even is that? Yeah. Um, w- what is it for you? And how does it uh, work for you as a leader?
2: I'll start with this. We as humans are literally hardwired around stories. Like, it's like it's deep in our uh, psychology and probably genetic history. That's A. Um, and then B, I think when it, when it comes to building businesses where this really, really matters. Frankly, there, there are successful businesses you can point to who don't have stories um, or don't explicitly tell a story. My favorite example of this, and I love this company, I admire them a lot, and they're hugely successful. Can we all be as successful as Twilio? Like Twilio, you go down the highway, and there's the freaking Twilio, you know, really expensive billboard that's been there for, I don't know, eight years, and the story they're telling is literally, ask your developer. developer. That's literally, like... We don't even need a story. We're just Twilio.
1: <laughs> it's. I actually I wrote about that one maybe yeah. like five years ago. Yeah. You know when I first saw it, yeah. and one thing I wrote is like they beat Hemingway in that. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, like he has the shortest story of all time. Yeah. The one about the baby shoes yeah. never worn. They had three words. Ask your developer. And in a way, it is a story to me because ostensibly it's speaking to the the, yeah. the C level or, or you know yeah. people who are not developers. But in a way, it's also speaking to the developer, like, "Hey, totally. you're you're the, you're the person now. You're you're the you're the person yeah. to go to." And of course, it's also saying, "Hey, they're going to tell the story yeah. better than we can." Yeah. It is a little bit of a punt, but yeah, uh, but that's
2: fair. You totally have a legitimate point there. But there, there is a, I think, a, a way to build a business that is much more around. There's a there's a problem, and there's a solution, and we have packaged that up, and we're just trying to get you into that experience as quickly as possible and we've we've focused everything on our universe around just getting to that point. And that works. It'll get someone into your product and have a good experience. But when you get into this world where people need to make a decision and it's not one person, one developer who makes a decision, or one team that uses slack or whatever makes a decision, but like a set of stakeholders who have competing interests who need to, as a group, like the CFO and the head of marketing and the head of product or IT, they actually have to make a decision, that's where stories really matter, because you're not in that room, right? You've done your sales pitch, you've done your marketing, and you're, you're, you're out of there, and they're going to have a real conversation, and they're going to buy your product, and then going buy your competitor's product. And, and if, you, if you have a story that connects with them, that's the thing you're leaving behind. Um, that will justify them choosing you. Will justify them paying more. Will justify them making up really hard decisions to move your technology, invest quarters or years of effort, and build a practice around it. That's where stories really, really matter and are super meaningful. And I think, you know, it, it, part of this that does depend on your stage of life and how you sell and the kind of business that you're building. And for for us, uh, you know, we care a lot about developers and we get them in the product and have them have good experiences, but. We ultimately we sell to marketing teams and there are other stakeholders in the decision and we need a story that carries the day mm. And so you know people are going to spend more and more and more money on the incremental awareness campaign and BDR team and kind of like hand-to-hand combat of sales and then the companies that punch through um, and have leverage behind their go-to markets and kind of cheat <laughs> or kind of flying around all these other companies are the ones that figured this out.
1: For a long time, I wanted to do this work and I didn't do it because I thought, well, who's gonna pay me in very early stage companies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what changed was that I learned that there was this other point where the story becomes important. And yeah. I think you're alluding to it, it might be the kind of chasm model where it's like, yeah. you can do problem solution talk will look for pains mm-hmm. and you know the people who are screaming in pain will come yeah um, but then there's this other side where you're starting to sell to people who mm-hmm. as you said they're removed from the pain mm-hmm. and they don't immediately understand what's going on there yeah. um, totally. crossing the chasm talks a lot about that they're risk averse but i think it's more than that i think it's like yeah. they don't see the story <laughs> they yeah. don't see the change in the world yeah. uh and why yeah. The status quo is dangerous.
2: Yeah, totally. I think in buying conversations, by default, you're an expense and you're a cost center. And only with the power of a story can you be a growth driver.
1: Could you explain that a yeah, little more? I think, yeah, I yeah. think
2: like if your buyer can't put into words why what you do matters and why what you do is going to drive value, drive growth for them and the organization, then you will just be, you know, some line item that some CFO stares at and gets and grumbles and wants to, you know, negotiate down. That will be the position that you occupy in a budget forever. Only when you have a story about when you drive growth can you become more than that to the customer. And I think that really matters. That that's how you get more budget. That's how you um, get defended when uh, people have hard conversations. Also, by the way, your customers talk to each other. <laughs> and the, much of how companies grow is through that one-to-one interaction and referencing. And, that, and that's where also when a story matters. I think all this stuff feels so hidden to entrepreneurs and people building products. It's hard to put your finger on, but we all see examples of when, when this works, the outside impact and success that it drives. You know, all those examples surround us.
1: Yeah, how did you come to this? Like, and specifically as a as a leader, yeah. that that there had to be this one story that was very clear.
2: <laughs> Personal frustration, I think, brought me to this point. Um, as a founder, you have to be odd. Uh, you have to see see something and care about something that others don't, um, and then you get a bunch of negative signals saying, "Oh, that's not possible," or "That won't work," or "That's you know." dumb or uh, I won't fund you or whatever uh, and so you have to be a little odd to kind of push your way through all of that and then on the other side when you have customers um, it you, you get to a point I think as an entrepreneur where you don't think people are buying the product but they still don't get it uh, they don't get the value, they don't get the thing that you get implicitly, it's in your head but you can't explain it um, and this shows up in many ways. It shows up as like being frustrated when you're trying to get your pitch deck together. It shows up when your customers are calling you the wrong word or confusing you with a competitor. Like all this stuff that's so like you take so personally, um, and you're so invested in, uh, just you know, in reality, um, reality is telling you something different. And you know, I think the desire to actually, co- like, actually make the decisions and nail down a narrative came out of that frustration that the world just didn't get it and uh, you know and, and on the other side of, of making decisions I, I have to say like it's you know it becomes a touchstone um, this isn't just about customers this is like when you explain this thing to the product and its value and your role in the universe to a new employee or a prospective employee or your aunt um, or you know somebody who's uh, coming uh, anyone is talking to uh, about the product and what you do that's where this stuff, you know, really matters. And I think the, you know, we live in a world where it gets, you know, noisier and there's more signals multiplying by the day. And the only thing that cuts through that crap is (laughs) a really good story. One of the things I found
1: really interesting about getting to know you was your take on the story as the aligner. Like, of course it's important to get the story right, but The bigger thing was aligning the leadership team on it.
2: You know, the team I get to work with here at Pantheon is really passionate and brilliant and way way better at their line of work than I will ever be. And one of the benefits and downsides of working with people like that is everyone has a freaking opinion. And they take it personally. You know, it's the head of sales job to convince a customer to buy the product. It's the head of marketing's job to connect the story of the company with the customer, the product product leader. Everyone takes this personally. And because you take it personally and you care a lot about it and you have a strong opinions, it can be excruciatingly difficult to make a decision. Because to make a decision about what your story is means you're cutting off 10 other good ideas that you would have. And so I, I had, before we started working with you, uh, a pile of failed false starts. In this exercise in the form of you know keynotes i try to make myself or pitch decks that we try to create at some moment in time where you know every time it got a little better but we got it to like the 60 yard line and it would grind to a halt because as a team we couldn't make a decision about what the story was going to be. I, I felt as CEO I, was, I had to be the owner and I was the owner of the story uh, but it's very hard to facilitate a group like that to come to a decision and be trying to craft the story yourself. Mm-hmm. There's a facilitation mm-hmm. aspect of that mm-hmm. be- that becomes almost impossible mm-hmm. um, if you have such an important stake in the outcome.
1: Mm-hmm. One thing I've realized even more so since we were together is just how emotional yeah. people can get oh about God. the messaging. Yeah. And I think you're right, it has a lot to do with like <sighs> coming to terms with the stuff that we have to leave out.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, any good story is divisive. There's a reason for that not to be the story. You're leaving something on the table or there's something that isn't perfect about it. There's a downside to it. And and I think a lot of the reasons stories end up getting so muddled is because you're not able or willing to make those trade-offs.
1: A lot of gems from Zach. I think my favorite was his take on how the story really matters when you're selling to multiple personas which gave me some insight about why I've tended to work with B2B companies. That's business-to-business, business in case anyone beside my friend Silvio is unclear. The Bigger Narrative is produced and edited by me, Andy Raskin, with music by Stephen Emerson and podcast cover art by Angela Mae Chen. Carla Borelli inspired the show by telling me I should do it over coffee. Thanks to Zach Rosen and everyone at Pantheon. Special thanks also to Silvio Menendez, Michelle Raskin, Casey Renner, James Charlesworth, Bernie Cohen, Vicky Cohen, Randy Bell, Erica Wright-Bell, Jonathan Goldstein, and Carol Wasserman. And remember, the company's story is the company's strategy.
0: I mean, Taro, it's huge. It's something, it's archetypical. It's Jung, it's, you know, there is a lot of power in Tarot. And, and I can bring that to, you know. I'll think about it. Yeah, you don't sound too convinced.